Welcome to this Sunday morning's message podcast from Kingdom Faith. Excellent. Father, we honour you. King of kings. You are wonderful. (laughs) You are high and lifted up and you are wonderful. Lord God. Lord God. We honour you today. Bless your holy name. King of kings, king over this nation, king over all nations, king over our hearts. And we thank you for your finished work. We thank you for your victory. And we proclaim that finished work and that victory over our nation today. We declare your grace. We declare this is the year of the Lord's favor over our nation. It's unmerited, it's undeserved. But we're so grateful to you, Lord. We're so grateful to you, Lord. Come and shine on this nation, Lord. Shine in this land, Lord. Be honoured. Be glorified. Be seen. Risen, Lord. Amen. So the theme today is victory in the nation And my aim is to encourage us to intercede for our nation. We're going to look a little bit at intercession. To engage in nation building. That's practical work that God's called each person in this room to do. You are a nation builder. Can you look at your neighbor and say, you are a nation builder? Because you are. And I'm picking up where Andrea left off last week. And she told us to, can you remember what she said? She said, arise and shine. For your light has come. For us to live in God's glory and live for God's glory and to change this nation. Do you agree with that? Come on. Interestingly enough, I was delivered these newspapers yesterday to bring today. There are copies of them in the foyer. Look at that headline. Somebody knew what was going on today. Nation is reeling under complete breakdown of moral life. Hallelujah. So there is a call to rebuild our nation. In the face of this year's huge challenges, Christian leaders are mobilizing prayer to bring God back into our national life. That's what I'm doing this morning. Come on, you're part of that. You matter. You matter. You matter. Fred, you matter. Come on, he knows it. You matter. Colin, you matter. Everybody, everybody who's got a bottom on a seat here matters today. You matter to your family. You matter to this church. You matter to your community. You matter to your nation. You count. You're important. God's chosen you. He's called you here for a reason. Come on, Father. He sent you here with a mission to discover as you Discover the one who sent you. So you'll discover the mission he's given you. Your mission is to be worked out on this earth. That's why God has put you here. That's why I didn't just take you straight to heaven. Cut out the middle man. Life would be much easier, wouldn't it? But you're here for a reason. God has put a dream in your heart. He's put a dream in your heart. Dare. Dare to dream it. And dream it big. It's no point dreaming small dreams. Dream big dreams. So I'm a big picture person, and we're going to go right back to the beginning 
and look at God's plan from Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Oh, my goodness me. You look in the mirror, guys. What are you looking at? You're looking at far more than you can see. You're looking at one who has made you in his image to show forth his glory. He loves you. He delights in you. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground, the whole earth. The NIV talks about rule. The NLT says we were made to reign. And the ESV, and these are all just different versions of the Bible, says we were made to have dominion. Rule, reign, have dominion. That's you. That's you. But the picture of rule and reign and dominion is so different from the one we see all the time. It's not military. It's not martial. It doesn't involve making people do what they don't want to do. God's rule, God's reign, God's dominion is to lift people up and love them and proclaim a destiny over them and fill their lives with hope. Come on, then. That's his dominion. And to that, you are called. Wow. So what does God's dominion look like? It looks like the king of kings. Wonderful counselor. Everlasting father. Almighty God. Prince of peace. God is a peacemaker. And he calls us, each of us, to be peacemakers. Our calling over this entire earth is to do as Janet was saying earlier. It's to extend the reign of his kingdom of peace. That's your calling. And listen, you might be thinking, whoa, really? Who am I? You are raised for such a thing. Believe in yourself because God believes in you. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. You're doing well, Ruth. Well, she's on those slides. Come on. She's doing well. So we have the whole earth. We have a garden. Now, what a garden that would have been. What would Eden have been like? Beauty. Abundance. The most gorgeous, glorious place. God starts with two people and a garden, but his vision is for the whole earth. We've got more than two people here. How many people have got a garden? It's not quite Eden, but I've got a garden. Okay, well, we're on, we're on it. We've already started. Listen, the vision is huge. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's. It doesn't say will be one day. It says it is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, every person. I'm looking at a football field full of people. You belong to the Lord, all of you. You may not know it yet, but his will is that you do and that you reconcile to your father. Every human being in this earth, whether they know it or not, whether they own it or not, whether they believe it or not, is his. Now, that was written almost 3,000 years ago. 
It's certainly, we're going to see it with our eyes in the future. But is it also true today? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Everyone belongs to the Lord. They just don't all know it yet. They need to be reconciled with their Father. God has made each one. He loves each one. He is their Father. But this earth is estranged from Him. And it needs to be brought back into relationship with God. Which is where you come in. And you. And you. And me. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you, me, the ministry of reconciliation. The God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Lord. And he has committed to us, me, you, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of drawing people together, drawing people back to their loving Father who just wants to put a ring on their finger and a robe on their back and invite them to eat the fatted calf. doesn't matter how prodigal, how rebellious, how wild people have been. The Father's waiting for reconciliation. What started with Adam, with a call to extend Eden, Eden continued with Abraham. Galatians 3, 8 and 9, interesting. Abraham was the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, who became Israel. But God's heart was for the whole earth, Eden to Israel, to every nation, the whole world. How can that be? Through you and me and Christ in us, the hope of glory. God announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God had an amazing mission for Abraham, which he has never ruled out and finished and declared completed. God's mission to Abraham was to be a blessing to every nation. God's mission to Adam was to extend God's kingdom rule, peace over this entire earth. God's plans have always been the same. And as Christians, what God said to Abraham applies to us today. The mission applies to us today. And so too does the condition. Genesis 18, 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. For Abraham to succeed, to do his part of this, he needed to raise this this man who was barren, who God declared a father of nations, plural, needed to raise his family in the fear of the Lord. You've been reading Genesis? Oh my. What a family. Oh, my. And what God says to Abraham, he says to us, what happens if we don't walk in God's way, if we don't raise our households to know the Lord? Well, God's purposes will be fulfilled because God has spoken, but they'll be delayed, at least as far as our entering, our destiny, 
and walking in the good of his promises is concerned. At least as far as all the people we could be connecting to, you and me are concerned. It could be delayed. Our faith and our obedience extends the kingdom of the Prince of Peace on this earth. You're following this? Yeah? So God has given Abraham an amazing calling. And that calling hasn't changed. It's our calling too. But it depends on our walk with God in faith and obedience. And as Pastor Jonathan Dyke often says, if you're wondering how to get right with God, just do the last thing he told you to do. Just get on and do that. Don't think, where do I start? Do that. Start there. What's he asking you to do? Walk in that. Take that step. That's it. We can all do that. So where do we begin? Well, let me just widen it out again. What is the city of God? Well, what is it, folks? What's the city of God? Somebody tell me. It's not a trick question. Come on, Colin, you can help me. Okay, we could be talking about Jerusalem, we could be talking about heaven. Wherever we're talking about, it's the place where God lives, right? It's the place where God lives. Yeah, well, where does he live, Andrea? He lives here. Okay, he lives here. So when the Bible talks about the city of God, it's talking literally at times about Jerusalem and figuratively at times about the place where God lives. Hang on, but we just heard Psalm 24, the whole earth is the Lord's. We certainly know that he lives here and now. He's living in you and me if you've given your life to him. You are the city of God. Listen to what God's plans are for you. 2 Corinthians 6.16 For we are, you are, the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. I just love that verse. I love it. I love it because he's there and his whole heart is going, come on. Just as he walked with Adam in the cool of the garden, he wants to walk with you in the cool of your life. Isn't that cool? (laughs) He just wants to be with you, Sharon. He just wants to walk with you and say, she's mine and I am hers. Wow, that's a deal and a half. Prince of Peace walks with you. Wonderful counselor gives you wisdom. The everlasting father affirms you as his daughter, as his son, constantly affirming relationship with you. And the almighty God sorts things out for you. Wow. And he says, come on, this is how you pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The rule and reign of the prince of peace. Do you want that? Do you want that in your life and through your life into your home, into your community and into your nation? For such you were called. That's the calling on your life. Just walk with him and let him overflow through you and from you. Let the life of God that he puts in you flow out from you. There's work for us to do. So Jerusalem, or the city of God, is the place where God lives, and God lives in you, but it's not just for you, because God is love, and love is always for the other. So the love that God's put in you, Rory, 
is for those around you. It's for you to give away to them. So how should we be given such an incredible vision and promise? Isaiah 62, 6 to 7, we should be like this. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest. Bend his ear till he establishes Jerusalem, the place where he lives, and makes her the praise of the earth. You want God's praise to resound in this nation? Give yourself no rest and give him no rest until he establishes you and us and his kingdom here. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but it's the place, it's the city of God, the place where he lives. So how do we work for God to establish his dwelling place, the place of his rule and reign here? What do we do in practical terms? Well, as a church, we've been reading Ezra and Nehemiah. Did anything strike you? Amazing stories, amazing stories. They both interceded for their nation. They worked for it and they interceded for it. Prayer without work. What's it worth? Something, but not much. It's like faith without works. What is faith without works? Toast, thank you. Not quite sure what translation that is, but we get it. So listen to the heart of Ezra. This righteous man come back from 70 years of exile where the nation's been in trouble and got taken captive because they weren't faithful. But Ezra's a man who wants to put this right. He's a man who wants to do the right thing by God. Listen to his heart. Ezra 9, 5 to 7. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn. I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and I prayed. I'm too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift up my face to you because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, our guilt's been great. Because of our sins, we and our kings and our priests have been subjected to the sword and captivity, to pillage and humiliation at the hands of foreign kings, as it is today. Hey, he doesn't accuse the foreign kings. In fact, he's not accusing anybody. He's humbling himself. He stands with his nation, not against it. With his nation. He's part of his nation. He's looking at the ruin in his nation and saying, this is us. This is us. How is this, Lord? What can we do? Do you get his heart? Nehemiah does exactly the same. We could just talk about that all morning. We're not going to, because we'll need lunch at some point. They intercede for their nation. Let's have a look at what intercession is. To mediate to negotiate, to arbitrate, to bring both sides together, to moderate, that is just, oh, calm down a bit, come on, let's get to the heart, we realise you're angry, we realise you're upset, but come on, what are you actually saying that we can use? To conciliate, to act as an honest broker, to intervene 
interpose, step on, step in, get involved, act, take action, take a hand, plead, petition, entreat, supplicate. That's how Ezra and Nehemiah pray for their nation. They don't pray against it. They don't pray against the foreign kings. They pray for their nation from a position of humility. When you pray for your nation, is that how you pray? They stand in the gap and they plead for the nation. They don't call down judgment. They cry out for mercy, identifying themselves with the sins of the nation. Who does that remind you of? Jesus on the cross had all of your sin, all of my sin, all of this nation's sin hurled at him. He didn't once accuse. He identified with. That's why we're saved. If we call down judgment on the nation or our leaders, who do you think will feel that judgment first? 1 Peter 4.17 Judgment begins with the household of God. When Samson pulled down the pillars in the temple of the Philistines, who did the temple fall on? Samson and the Philistines. They were all killed. We are in this nation. If we call for judgment, we will come under that judgment. It's not God's heart. It's not God's heart. If you condemn the nation, you condemn yourself. Matthew 7, 1, do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourselves. That's the Amplified. We're not called. We're called to discern. We're called to be wise. We're called to make a clear call on things. But there is a line here between discernment and condemnation. And we're told, no, don't cross that line. Don't cross that line. How can you pray for your nation if you're standing this side, calling down fire on it? You can't do it. Are you calling it down on yourself, frankly? Aren't you? We all live here. So we don't do that. Your model, Ezra and Nehemiah, are your models. Jesus is your model. How do we pray? With humility, identifying with the nation. We're part of it. What's the test of a judgmental spirit? When someone needs correction, do you give it with a scowl or with a smile? Or do you just leave them in their error because they had it coming and you're too cross with them to talk to them about it? God doesn't call us to that. He calls us to be ministers of reconciliation, to conciliate, to intercede, to stand in the gap, to bring together, not drive apart. This is crucial because our nation needs intercessors. It doesn't need people calling down fire. Proverbs 24, 11. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those who are staggering towards slaughter. Jude 1, 23 and 24. Be merciful to those in doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That's so interesting. 
Because listen, what that's saying is this. You hate what they're doing. And you won't do it yourself. But you reach into the flames and risk getting burnt in order to help them. God's heart is for mercy. We've received mercy. The older you get, the more mercy you've received. Ah, we've received it, so we're ministers of it. And if you don't think so, where's your imagination? Think about your life. We need his mercy. So we don't condemn others for their lack of holiness. Rather, we seek to live holy and godly lives by having humble and teachable spirits that seek and love correction because we know that gives us the clean hands and the pure hearts that will help us draw close to this wonderful God and Father who loves us and who raises us up, who's pulled us out of the mire and out of the ash heap and seats us among the princes of his people. We don't deserve it. It's mercy. This nation doesn't deserve mercy, but we're called to call for it. Mercy's never deserved. Get the heart. How are we going to pray for our nation? From a position of identification with them and humility, like Ezra and Nehemiah. James and John called down fire on people. What was Jesus' reaction? Luke 9, James and John asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? I nearly, I nearly went into a Northern Ireland accent with that. Did you notice? Anyway. But, <laughs> sorry. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. You're missing the point, guys. Seriously. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then, and tomorrow, if you foul up, his mercy is there for you. His grace is there for you. He doesn't disown you. Don't disown your nation. How many nations we got represented here today? Wow. UK, Holland, Belgium, Taiwan, Zimbabwe, South Africa, what else? Germany, yes, of course. Keep going, Sweden, South Korea. Got another one? Wow. Essex. Listen, we, rather than judge the nation or even Essex, we identify with it, we call for mercy, we examine our own hearts and we repent. Then we live up to the calling he's given us. That's how to see victory in the nation. 2 Chronicles 7.14 When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, in other words, when I am punishing a nation, or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. You can't separate the people from the land. You can't separate the church from the land. If this land is in a mess, it's because we haven't been the salt and light we were called to be. You want judgment for them, you'll get judgment for you. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're praying for mercy. 
and we're living up to the calling God has given us to see victory in this nation. Do we turn a blind eye to sin? No. We discern, we work out what's what, but we don't condemn. We pray for, not against, we intercede. This is the year of the Lord's favor. God's proclaimed that. He's not going to rescind it. A time is going to come when he comes back and there will be a reckoning and that gateway of grace will close. But not yet. In the meantime, we have work to do. That's why it's delayed, because we have work to do. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life, and he has commissioned us as his agents of reconciliation. So we do what is our work. It's the same as Ezra and Nehemiah's. It's the same. We work to rebuild the city walls. We work with a sword in one hand, that's spiritual warfare, not warfare against people. And we work with a trowel in the other. There's work to be done. They work tirelessly. You read that story, the opposition. wasn't just a bunch of people staging a protest march. It was on and on and on and on and on. It was duplicitous. It was getting involved with governments. It was bringing the authorities to bear against them. It was constant. And it went on for years. But they rebuilt the city walls and they sorted out the temple. And the last thing they had to do was to get the rubbish out of the temple. They had to get the idols out of the temple. So if we want God's glory to fill this nation, it's not just interceding for the nation. It's living right before God. I will be their God and they will be my people and I will live among them. And if you want to ascend the hill of the Lord and see more of God's glory in your life, get your hands clean. Get your heart pure. Now, God does that, but we present them to him constantly. Okay? He does it, but we present them to him constantly. It begins with humility. Hallelujah. So where there's sin in the nation, the first question to ask is, is the church being salt and light? Are we preaching the gospel and, if necessary, with words? Are we truly living, because that's what matters, as the people of God, holy and pleasing to him, walking in faith and obedience? That's why repentance begins in the household of God. Ezra and Nehemiah knew that. They had to get the unclean things out of the temple. So where do we find ourselves? Longing for heaven, but called to knuckle down and build Jerusalem on this earth. Not to be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly use, because we're strangers in a strange land, that's true. But God has put us here to see his victory in this nation. So what should our attitude be towards our country? Let's go to Jeremiah and find out what the Jews' attitude had to be to the nation they found themselves in exile in. Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Don't decrease. 
Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Abraham was called to be a blessing to the nations. When the seeds of Abraham, the sons, the daughters of Abraham were taken to exile because they were messing up their lives, they were still called to be a blessing to the nations. That calling hadn't changed. Our calling hasn't changed. It's the same. It's the same. Bless your workplace. Bless your community. You are called to that and God will resource you to that. Have faith for that. You too will prosper. So we intercede. We stand in the gap on our nation's behalf. We identify with our country. We wage spiritual warfare for it and we cry out to God for it. And that goes for those in authority too. China regards the church as enemies of the state. But Chinese Christians pray for their leaders. They do not pray for the removal of the Communist Party in China. They pray for their leaders. Why? Because that's what Scripture tells us to do. Bolivia. Has anybody seen the Bolivia story in the past week or so? No? Bolivia is a place that's so hot you need to be there. Bolivia, the president of Bolivia, banned evangelism. And when he did it, the church joined in prayer and fasting. And they prayed from Timothy for their nation, for peace. Now listen, how would you feel if the government here banned evangelism? We know that street preaching is already contested here. hasn't been banned. In fact, it's winning all the cases brought against it. But how would you feel if the government banned evangelism? Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 1-2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Who was in power when Paul wrote those words? Nero! Nero! Pray, give thanks for Nero. Pray for Nero. What? Yes. That's what it says here. Paul might have written, I urge you to pray for Nero. Nero had Christians humiliated, tortured and killed. How many Christians has Theresa May or Jeremy Corbyn tortured and killed lately? Okay, they haven't. So if we have to pray for Nero, let's pray for them. Whether you voted for them or not. Completely irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. That's your call. If you pray for Nero, pray for Theresa May. Not quite in the same league. We can raise ourselves to do that, I think. Or Donald Trump. When was the last time you sneered at Donald Trump? When was the last time you prayed for Donald Trump? Come on. Come on. It's not about their merit. It's not about whether you think they're doing the right thing or not. Nero wasn't. It's about praying for peace. Let me tell you what happened in Bolivia. The president said no evangelism. Why? Because he wants to turn the nation back to being animist. Why? Because that's considered to be their national identity. 
On the day this happened, the church called for prayer and fasting. The church went into prayer and fasting that day from this scripture, praying for their president, not against him. By the end of the day, on television and on Twitter, the president overturned it. He changed the law. They prayed. He acted. God worked. Let's do it his way. Let's do it God's way. Come on, that we may live quiet lives of godliness and holiness. That's victory in the nation. That's the rule and the reign of the Prince of Peace. Peace is shalom. And let's have a look at that shalom slide. Listen, shalom is an amazing word. It's a much better word than peace. It's not an absence of strife. It is all that is good. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning. The shalom of God is the rule and reign of the Prince of Peace putting right what is wrong. Bringing goodness where there was badness. Welfare, health, prosperity, freedom from war, covenant peace with God, favor. You want God's riches? Then you need God's favor. The good news is this. He's already proclaimed his favor over you. And he's already proclaimed his favor over this earth which belongs to him. That favor needs to be released from heaven onto this earth and you need to do it. That's your calling. That's your calling. Give away the favor of God. Give away the love of God. See victory in the nation. So let's realize we are called to do just that. Seeing victory in the nation by having the humility to get our own house in order. Our hearts right. Our hands clean. And as Abraham was called, our households. Let's work with God to see his shalom in our households. Bless your children. Bless those you live with. Proclaim goodness over their lives. Intercede for them. It's not about what they deserve. It's about what God has said and the goodness of God. And from our own house, let's love our nation. Let's work for its good. Let's recognize that we're called, appointed, and anointed to do just that by rejecting a judgmental attitude and by interceding for our country and its rulers. And my last point, Andrea last week spoke about arising and shining. If you read that chapter, it's an amazing promise and an amazing call on our lives. Isaiah 60. Ruth, you've got a bit of a job on your hands, so I'm picking out different verses here, but you're doing brilliantly. You're doing brilliantly. Isaiah 61 to 3. Arise. Shine, for your light has come. It's already come, guys. So arise, reflect that light. That light is the glory of God. That's all you have to do. Arise and reflect his glory. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. It's true. But the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. And what happens next? 
nations will come to your light. The world needs you. It needs you to arise and shine. It needs you to be all that God has called you to be. Sharon, in your workplace, you are a wonder. You are wonderful in your workplace with your colleagues. And they love what you bring. Arise, shine, wherever God's put you. We're all called to be nation builders. And the Lord promises this. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine upon you, because the Lord's going to be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Then all your people, your households, will be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I've planted, the work of my hands, for the display of my splendor. You're sitting next to someone who's put here to be a display of God's splendor. How great is that? How wonderful is that? The least of you will become a thousand. The smallest, a mighty nation. When you look in the mirror in the morning, do you see something that is small? Do you see something that is the least? It doesn't matter. Because you are a thousand and you are a nation. The least of you. The least of you. This is what God has for you. Just release it. Just arise. Just shine. Just let his glory flow into you, from you, through you. That's your birthright. That's your destiny. And the Lord says, I am the Lord. Because if you're thinking, how's that going to happen with me? He says, I am the Lord. And in its time, I will do this quickly. God will do it. So let's stand up, please. Let's arise. Let's shine. Both of these are choices. Both of them are choices. Choose to arise. Choose to shine. As we arise and as we shine, so God's glory rises upon us and nations will come to our light. Can we play that uh, song in the background, please, Ruth? I'd like us to split into pairs, please. And to pray positively for our nation. Pray prayers of blessing upon our nation. We're not asking God to overlook anything. We're interceding. We're standing for our nation. But we are calling for mercy. Okay, so split into pairs. Be a blessing to your nation. And guys, whatever country you're from right now, I just ask you, please bless Great Britain. We would be grateful for that. Please bless Great Britain whatever country you're from now. Thank you.
Amen. So we're going to pray for our nation from a positive spirit and from a humble heart. We're going to seek mercy for our nation. But right now, can I just encourage us to recommission ourselves to be nation builders? It's what God's called us to. Just put your hands out before the Lord, if you will. Father, we thank you for the dreams that you've put in our hearts. And Father, we say to you they're not enough. We want bigger dreams. We want bigger dreams. Father, they're not enough because we haven't dared to dream them. We want to dare to dream big dreams. Father, we want to dare to dream dreams that will change our country, that will change our environment, that will change all around us. And Father, we present our hands to you now and ask you, Lord, to fill our hearts, fill our hands and our hearts with your dreams, dreams that come from your throne room, with calling and with mission and resourcing, Father, as we step out in faith. Father, forgive us when we haven't stepped out in faith because we said, well, where's the resourcing? Step out in faith and the water will turn firm and hold your feet. You've got to step out in faith first. So, Father, we just say to you, Lord, may we dream big. Father, may we dream as big as your dreams. And Lord, our prayer, Father, is begin to change this nation by changing each of us. Begin, Lord, with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.